All right, uh, we've been talking about end times and the general topic, and specifically as we progressed, I'm trying to do it, at least in, in my mindset, linearly, uh, thinking as it would progress. Um, we've studied the church age, the, well, well, we started in Daniel 9, uh, with the whole prophecy there about the kind of outlining the whole end times, why I believe the church isn't involved in um, most of the events that we, we would know as Armageddon or the Tribulation, and um, why I think we're excluded from that, and I think that there's ample amount of evidence in Scripture for that. Um, the next thing that we're looking for in the church age um, is the rapture, I believe. I believe in the imminent return of the Lord. I believe that He could come at any moment, any time, uh, and so we should be working with the anticipation of knowing that He could uh, show up at any time and, and take us home. Uh, we studied the order of, um, of the rapture. It'll be the dead in Christ to rise first, and the which were alive and remain shall be changed and called up together to meet Him. In the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we talked about how the early church even called the rapture the gathering together of the saints or the gathering together in the clouds or the gathering together around him or just the gathering. Uh, that was their term for it. Um, and we talked about the resurrection then, everything that would happen with us, um, at least from what we can find from the scriptures about how it will be, how, how it might happen, how it will be changed. It's a one-to-one correlation. The body that dies will be the body that rises. Uh, and it shouldn't be hard for us to grasp in that, that there is life after death. I know that... Sadly, I've spent a lot of time <laughs> throughout my life thinking there is life after death, especially when I was younger before I came to know Christ as Savior. I used to ponder that and think about it. Is it possible? Is it right? Is this even reasonable? And then trying to weigh out um, what little bit limited reason I had versus what the Scripture had and which one makes sense and how it goes because you hear so much of one thing through uh, television programming and through what you see um, or learned in science in school uh, to what we have in the Bible. Um, and I walked away, coming away saying, the Bible's right. You can examine the Bible, you can test the Bible, the Bible is true, the Bible is right. One of the most influential, influential books that helped me come to that conclusion would be More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. I'd recommend that to anybody who might be wrestling with, how can I know that I believe this? My big question was, who told the preacher? Another preacher? And another preacher? How, how does he know? And how, why, does, why would he have that faith? And, and so I think that was one of the things that sold me, and probably the chapter the most was about the disciples, and how they were hiding one day, and they were beating them and putting them in prison. They would still go out and preach the next day. What made the difference? The resurrection. They saw him. He was alive. It changed them. It transformed them. And the power, and that's why I praise God that it puts it in here, warts and all, how the disciples behaved and acted, how they ran from him, how they became cowards, how Peter denied him, and yet later how Peter would not deny him. He wouldn't even allow himself to be crucified like the Lord. The Romans said, we can, we can oblige you with that. We'll turn you upside down. And so they did, you know, but they still crucified him. And yet the, the, the death of the saints, that all of them died for it. You don't die for a lie. You don't die. Somebody cracks. Somebody cracks. There's always someone who spills the beans. And then from since then, with that tiny step of faith there, how the Lord's grown me and, and shown me things from the Scriptures. Um, even with, you know, how Paul's argument in First Corinthians 15 uh, about the plants, you know, how a seed has to die before it can be made alive again. But man, it's so obvious. It's around us everywhere. The seasons, you know, even thinking about coming up at Easter, uh, the world even kind of talks about the new life. You can watch anything on the Discovery Channel. Things die. Things are alive again. Uh, and so they kind of have it, and then they'll say, but, you know, metaphorically. Uh, but but it really does. You know, a seed has to be dry and dead. We've talked about corn until you guys want cornflakes or something. I don't know. But the, so there's a lot of things. There was another thing that's kind of interesting. You think even, especially in our time, it would be easier for us to understand. And yet it seems like science is even, uh, and takes a, a harder view on saying, how could there be life after death? And, um but with the age of computers, we should be able to understand a little bit better. Uh, I say that because, like, a computer is hardware. You know, it, it takes a, 
got the physical box, you got the motherboard, you got the chips, you got the memory, you got all the everything in there, stuff. You know, this, this stuff that somebody knows how to put together, I don't. <laughs> I just know how to move the mouse and, and make it do what I want to do that way. But, uh, but it's got hardwire. The hardwire is nothing without software. Software, you have to put it in there, and it runs now, and all of a sudden it's functional. You know, the, my computer I have at work is, uh, is, is pumped up and loaded to be able to handle graphics, or I could do pictures and images, and so it's got all these programs for any kind of thing like that. But before I put those on there, I couldn't do any of that. You know, it takes specific software. And so we are hardware, we are flesh, we are bone, we have a circulatory system. But that's not me. This is just where I live. <laughs> me, I'm the one who makes it run. You know, Brian, the, the real me, is, is me, my personality, my soul, we would call it, that, that, that runs it. And it makes it be there. You know, we've never gone to the funeral and said, oh, there they are. No, we say, there's where they used to be. We know they're somewhere else. We know they're somewhere else. You know, and it doesn't weigh any different. Um, I've got a thumb drive here that I usually give to Gerald after Wednesday night, and he puts the sermons on here. I've got, I don't know how many Wednesday nights jammed in here. I've got pictures of better part of Indiana probably on here. I've got a whole bunch, like my family's in here. I've got all, I got all kinds of, I've got movies in here. I've got pictures in here. This thing's four gig um, worth of thing. I weighed it before I put it in on there. You know what? It weighs the same when it was empty as when it was full. You know? But software, it's nothing looking at it. But boy, you put the software on, now I can look at it. It's got pictures and everything else. It's very usable. It's stored. We're kind of the same way. You know, our DNA, you know, what makes us who we are, our soul, that spirit, our mind, our thoughts, you know, that's, that's our software. And so we can, I can take this out of one and plug it into another. I can take it, I can tell you what, I can even take software and I do this. I said on a routine basis, I send files to Montana, I send files to New York. It's because it's software. I can send it, and I can take it. It breaks it down, sends it across the wire, and gets it there. Same with me. I will stop here one day, and I'll start again in eternity. And it'll be in a second. This body will be dead. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's no break in continuation. Now, all of a sudden, I was in this world, now I'm in the next world. There'll come a time when he'll bring it, if, if, if that's what happens first, if I die before the Lord returns, one day he'll bring me back and put me in this body again. It'll be a glorified body. It won't be this one. Uh, it'll be a little bit better. I don't know if it'll be as gray. Um, but but um, and I've had some debate this week online with some guys about what age will we be. I think you'll be the optimum age. You know, whatever your God has designed you to be the perfect and most uh, uh, the best you, whether that's 18, whether that's 24, whether that's 30, whatever it was, where that's you're the prime you. I guess I'll be people age. Whenever I think of the prime people, we'll all kind of be that. A lot of people argue for no, we're all going to be a 33 and a third years old because we'll be like Christ. Well, maybe. You know, that was kind of, you know, he was 33 years old, and so that, that's, that, that seemed reasonable. You know, I don't think that there's going to be baby strollers in, ke- in heaven. You know, I don't know about Cliff that, that, That's a whole other topic to debate about, but I, I know that um, we'll be adult. I think we'll, we'll be men. I think um, we know we look men-like because of the Mount of Transfiguration. So Moses and Elijah, and I, I kind of I don't picture him with beards unless they had beard. I don't picture him being an old man. And what, I, I kind of think of him being prime, and I think we're going to be prime people. Uh, throughout eternity, the, the, the optimum us. And so um, one day we'll have that, just a rough timeline. And so this, uh, this is kind of where we are now, this is the church age. It began around Pentecost, it'll continue until God says, go get my children. <laughs> when the body of Christ has been, is made full, when the last Gentile gets saved, who's supposed to be saved, and a part of the body of Christ, uh, Jesus will come down, we know that there will be a shout. Uh, from heaven, probably come up hither. Uh, we kind of went through the scriptures. We saw that in, in Revelation, another place where the uh, um, what else was it? Exodus. 
Uh, we talked about there was a horn blast, and they say, come up, and they came up. And we know that the first thing to do is the dead in Christ shall be raised. Some have theorized because they have six feet further to go. I don't know. Right, because they've been waiting longer. So the dead in Christ will rise up, and then we which are alive and remain shall be changed and transformed. Then we fly, and it says we'll meet him in the air. There's, there's, there's a specific distance or difference between the second coming and the rapture because the second coming's uh, on the ground, uh, the rapture or the gathering together is in the air. And so we have these two different occasions. So we fly up, we gather together to be with him. I always draw Jesus with the crown. We gather together, and we'll meet him. We'll be up there. Like what's their, what do they, how do they look now, I guess? That's, yeah, I get that one too. Apparently they must have some kind of, um, I guess, uh, temporary body until they get this body. Because one, we have Moses and Elijah, we have to go back to, who else have we seen that was from the Old Testament that's alive and dead? Moses died. I mean, uh, Jude tells us that uh, the devil and, and Michael the archangel fought over his body. You know, Satan wanted, I think he'd have probably put it in a shrine somewhere and people would be worshiping it today. You know, they'd kiss the foot off a statue that's supposed to be him. You know, what would they do with his body? But he, he fought with it. Michael wins, you know, the Lord's on his side. Uh, he's buried in some place where we don't know, so there's not a shrine to Moses. But he's dead, and yet he was in some sort of form. They didn't look and say, I saw a spirit that flittering around with a harp, and he looked like a cherub baby. No, it looked like a man standing and talking. So apparently it has some sort of temporary thing. Um, Elijah was probably in his body. I mean, he never died. We know he got translated, the type of the rapture. And so there's some sort of temporary, whether it just looks that way, or whether it's, but I know it's, it's whatever makes us us. And I'm, it's not for me. Yeah, so you don't live in that state forever. If I died now and was in heaven, um, whatever body they gave me, that's just a temporary vehicle for a little while. Uh, Job, we went through those scriptures where Job said, Though my reins be consumed within me, yet shall mine eyes see him. You know, it's a one-to-one. And Ezekiel went to the valley of the bones, how God was able to crawl in them bones and bones and dry bones. He made them all come back to life. He'll take us and he'll bring the soul back and the soul and the body unite and come out of the ground. Um, I heard a song today they were talking about, they were playing a bunch of lame old Christian songs. One was how Jesus is better than football. It was insulting to Christ, you know, to think that he's no, he's no Peyton Manning, he's no, he goes, and it's just, uh, and that was playing on Christian radios, all this stuff, and, then, and they were playing another one, they're like, it was a Johnny Cash one, it was like, ain't no grave gonna hold me down, you know, and it talked about how Christ has the power, the resurrection, and no matter what you do to me, no, no tombstone, no nothing's gonna hold me down, when Christ comes back, I'll come back up, and I think they were playing another one by Stephen Chris Chatton, that sounded really good about the Death isn't death to a Christian or something like that. I, I, they never said who it was, but I heard the words. Uh, but uh, who was it? Yeah, death is not death for us or something. Death is not death. To, yeah, it was real good, especially when you're thinking about, boy, his daughter and all this. And there's a guy who's going through death. It was exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent, yeah. Excellent. I guess that's uh, Revelation either 5 or 6 right there, where they're saying, how long, O Lord, are you going to allow them to be martyred? And he says he, he gives them the white robe. So, yeah, apparently there is some sort of physicalness that he, that he closes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they weren't transparent Caspers, you know. So, they, so there's some sort of 
a temporary thing that they have, because there's a resurrection to damnation. Well, they're going to get a body that is made to withstand hell forever. Uh, where now it would be, you know, we get a body who's able, was able to uh, withstand being in God's presence forever. They will get one to be able to withstand hellfire forever. And that's we don't want to be a part of the second resurrection for that one. Anybody else? Want to say? So uh, we go. We gather together with Him. So we're with Christ. We're up there. We're with Him, and we go there. Then we know. I draw the blue line because then what? And so. We're gone. We're up here. We have a lot written about what happens the, the next thing, ne- next few things. Anybody, what, what's the next next thing that happens? I've kind of got to illustrate. Anybody know? The beast. Oh, yeah, we have all the tribulation stuff, right? And so the first thing that happens, we know from Daniel chapter nine, is there's a peace treaty that is signed, uh, just like we talked about on Sunday. How you know from the going forth to the creed to be, re- rebuild Jerusalem. Until Messiah the Prince shall be, you know, 483 years. That had a beginning and a middle date. The last seven years, year, years has a start date as a peace treaty being signed with the Antichrist, between Antichrist and Israel. That's why every time there's a peace accord, most of the churches are like, is this, this going to, you know, is it Arafat and somebody signed it? And we're like, who's this going to, you know, there's all these things going, we don't know who he is. I'm not going to be here. <laughs> so, because that's going to happen. That starts the first three and a half years of the tribulation. It's, it's actually kind of three and a half years of, of, of peace, and uh, pseudo-peace, and that's, you have the four horses of the apocalypse and all that. Then we get to the midpoint of the tribulation. Anybody remember what happens there? Abomination of desolation. You know, Jesus tells us more than once about that. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, taking us back, you know, and he tells all these things flee because the last half is called the great tribulation. And it's awful. And he says, you know, lest those days be short and you'll know life will be saved. This is... Can't write sideways. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he um. I don't think he really shows him. If he does it, then it's it's subtly. Um, he's the first horse. The first horse he has. He has a. I remember now. Either has arrows and no bow, or a bow with no arrows. I can't remember. Bow with no arrows. So it's like he gets peace. He overtakes and becomes a world moral government, but he doesn't do it through force. He does it through subtlety. Uh, it's kind of like Europe right now. Europe's all united and has not been a f- shot fired. You know, they're under have one currency. They're kind of coming together under one thing. It's, it's that that type of deal. I think it's because of the rapture. I think you have chaos going on in the world. He comes up with some answer. I've got a plan. You know, uh, maybe I made him leave, or me and my. Me and my secret friends, yeah, Satan, <laughs> got rid of all of them, now we're here. But he begins to, his tolerance, you know, he kind of has a tolerance thing all through the first half, begins to wane, and, and he shows himself, um, and we'll study the life of the Antichrist too, because we have, his whole life's mapped out, and there's a lot told about him. Um, uh, but it's the second half where he comes, and he's just roaring, and he's right, and then he's just slaughter, you know, of anybody. Uh, we know during the first three and a half, I believe, I believe he beheads Christians, um, or maybe it didn't start till the three and a half years, because that's when you have the two witnesses that are beheaded, and they have Christmas-like celebration, pass out the presents and all that. Uh, but it talks about beheading all those saints and everything else. And it ends with Armageddon. I always draw a nuclear bomb, but that's not how it happens. But it's <laughs> that's normally what we think of, a big explosion. And that's when Christ comes down, right? And that's the end of Revelation there. Comes down and he destroys them. Um, uh, Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown alive into the lake of fire. And then... Um, Satan's bound for a thousand years. And that's what this last half is. It'll be the thousand-year reign of Christ. 
and that goes on to eternity. After the end of that, there's another battle, and that's just kind of all vague. But what happens to us? So we've, we've gathered together. Is it just view the land, and we, and we sing from then all out, or do we know what, what goes on during that time? Is anybody? It will rule and reign with him for these thousand years. And so I believe that's what's kind of, during this seven years, we're doing something. Uh, I know I'm probably going to be just standing in awe and saying, man, how do you let me in there? I know, I know we're all going to probably be doing that. But I believe there's also things that we know that we're going to be doing. I, I believe that what? I believe, uh, uh, I believe one of the first things we'll do, and as uh, I've got my reasoning, hopefully I can tie it all together here, is, is um, the Bema Seat Judgment. That's what's drawn there. Turn to Romans 14. Yeah, Romans 14. Romans 14 and verse 9 says, For this is the end. Christ uh, both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? He's speaking to Christians here. Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? Conflicts of us going along. He says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So we're going to give an account. Now, this is the Bema seat judgment. That's what uh, Bema. That's um, kind of a, I think it ties back to the Greeks. Uh, it's kind of apropos that we would be on that today because um, that would be like their Olympics. You know, so you get done with the Olympics, there's a, a, a throne. They get done, they do it for a, usually a crown, uh, a wreath crown, uh, that they, laurel wreath that they'd put on their head. And that was it, you know. So <laughs> that's what you got. Here you go, and the, these, these leaves, and it would um, become defiled. Let's turn to Second Corinthians. I'm trying to make sure I don't get a hit. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. Um, Paul read the sports page. 2 Corinthians 5, we'll start verse 9, says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also I made manifest unto your consciences. And he only talks about... I, I beat not my body, and all he did running the race and doing it good, and he he has all that that we've we've, we've talked about. Uh, but he says here we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to have to give an account whether it's good or bad. Man, it's like one thing to put our mind at ease: is our sin going to be dealt with there? No, that was dealt with on the cross. Uh, Jesus Christ took care of all of our sin. How many of our sins were future when Jesus died on the cross? All of ours, you know, we, we weren't even born yet, you know, so all of our sins, you know, to think that, well, now they've been, you know, shame on us when we sin after we've been saved, you know, but that's part of growing in holiness, growing in, you know, that we're, uh, we're dying to ourselves daily. The crazy thing is, it seems like the, the closer you get to him, the more your sin increases, because you see how holy he is and how 
filthy we are. The things you never had to struggle with, all of a sudden you have struggle with. It's like, oh, more things become made sin to you. I don't pray like I should. Or I look at things differently. Well, I shouldn't have. Things that we used to do and, and embrace, and I know we've talked about it a hundred times, you know, movies we used to watch, now we go back and watch, how can I watch that? You know, your conscience has been made alive and we've grown. And those are, those are good things. But it says here there are going to be good and bad things judged. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's, it's what we do for Christ's sake. It's not whether we're saved or not. It's not whether we're getting into heaven or not. It's not whether, oh boy, this is not what we've done for Christ's sake. You know, um, how, how we've served Him. First um, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, I guess. I'll start verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, Paul is talking, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Now the foundation is Jesus Christ. Um, he's going to say that, verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Salvation. You know, do you even have a foothold in heaven? You have to have salvation. That means we have to repent of our sins. We have to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's not through any good works. It's not through anything we have done. It's what He has done for us. Uh, Jesus Christ lays the foundation. Uh, we don't, he, just, he gives it to us. That's it. We get salvation. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't merit it. We don't do anything to keep it. Jesus Christ has given us that. Now we build upon that. Verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And we look at the elements there. You have um, gold, silver, precious stones. If you have those things, those are things that God gives. You know, uh, you, you find gold, um, you find silver, uh, you find precious stones. Uh, but wood, hay, stubble, you know, you can kind of, that's things you work on the earth for, isn't it? You can, I can, I can plant a tree and I can plant um, some weed, I can plant some hay, I could, I could do that. And you might be able to amass quite a bit of it. And you might have something that you can even, I, I can't help but not think of the three little pigs. You know, you've got the, the, the one, the, the, the house of sticks and the house of, uh, of straw, you know, that, uh, you know, blow it down, it's going to burn down. You know, it's, it might be big, it might look fancy here and now, but boy, if we've done it for pride, if we did it for our sake, if we did it because, and I'm not talking about material things, I'm saying if, um, if I'm standing up here doing it for me and not doing it for him, uh, you know, I, I've, got, I've got my reward right now because you go, well, hey, good job, Brian. I did it for you, I did it for the praise of men rather than for him. I, I got some hay in heaven and I got something here and now, so it's, which one do we rather have? That's why he tries to tell us, don't do it for the praise of men. We do it for him. I get it for here. You know, what, I get it for however long I live. Send it up to eternity. You have it forever. You know, I'd rather have gold and silver and precious stones forever uh, than a pat on the back here. So that's why we've got to make sure our motives are right. That's why he's always telling us to examine ourselves. You know, If we give a cup of cold water in his name, he's, I count that. I put it down. You know, that you're dying to self, putting others in front of you, encouraging one another, trying to equip one another, trying to... Um, build each one another up in the faith. Uh, this is what's being tried. Verse uh, 14. If any man's work abide which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Shall. I've got that circle. Well, he says, I'll give it. He goes, if there's something to give, I'll give it. And remember, Jesus has told us countless times, I go and I'll come again and my rewards are with me. He says, I want a reward. He's a, he's a liberal giver. He's a good, good God. He, he wants to reward us. And he rewards good behavior. It's, it's our Reasonable sacrifices or reasonable service. He says, I'll reward you for it. Rewarding us for doing what we ought to do. Verse 15 says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. In other words, he didn't lose his salvation. 
He might have did everything for this, this age, you know, for 75 years, and it all burns up, and he has nothing but salvation for eternity. He still, he still has salvation. He just doesn't have whatever we're going to do extra with the extra. That's... <laughs> I think a lot of it just has to do with praise unto him, showing that he is worthy, that right motive, the right heart. Um, we don't want to disappoint him. You know, just like young children, you know, they, they, they want to please their parents. They want their present parents to be proud of them. Uh, That's the right thing. They should want to do that. They should want to get the well done and have their dad say that, and they'd be like, oh, you know, and, and just have that little bit of, uh, yes, my, my parents are proud of me. It's the same that we should say, want to hear the well done, a good and faithful servant from him. No, yeah, we can never do enough. We can never repent enough. We can never serve enough. We can we can't do anything enough. And and anything he gives us, we're going to say, because what anything that we're able to do for him, who who equipped us to be able to do it? He did. Yeah, he saved us. He gave us the power and the ability. He gave us the the knowledge. He put us at the right time in the right place, and so he gets all the praise anyway. Yep, we'll, we'll cast our crown. Sounds like a name for a band. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but. The, uh, but we will, uh, and we'll get to that probably next week. So, <laughs> be a little bit, um, saved uh, yet so as by fire. He says, "Yeah, we might smell like smoke for a while, but you know we're not going to have, um, we're, we're, but we're going to be saved." And so to think that, and we're, and we're all doing something, whether we know it or not. I guess sometimes I've heard somebody say that uh, least least you could do is serve as a bad example. Don't do like I do, <laughs> and tell people don't do like you. It's like, <laughs> so you know you're doing something, uh, and so. We need to do something for Christ's sake. And verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that you're the Spirit of God dwelleth in any of you? Uh, man, we're in the temple of God. Uh, and so we need to watch how we do these things. And so it'll be burned, and then what we get done, we'll earn, and that lame tip past the little burning house there is as a crown. Um, let's, first, let's turn to Matthew 25. I think a part of what we're earning... And I, and I think, because sometimes you know, it'll come down to the question, is there, are there degrees in heaven? I, I don't know that there are. I think there's better perception. Uh, it's like I can go and listen to a classical pianist play and think, oh, that's nice. Uh, but my wife who plays piano can say, Oh, that's really nice because they understand that the, the discipline and the skill that goes within that. And so we went to the same thing. I enjoyed it. She enjoyed it better because she was better prepared uh, to say that, wow, what skill that took. I think it's the same way. I think it's our, our perception. As much as we can learn and grow here and now, it's only preparing us for there and then. Hank Hanegraaff put it this way. He said, um, where, where's the Masters? Play? Some, the, the premier golf course in the United States. Um, I forget. Pebble Beach. Uh, yeah, Pebble Beach. Said um, he got an invitation to go there one time. Hank Kennegraff's the Bible answer man, if you've heard him on the radio. And he said he got an invitation to go there. He knew it was coming up. So he took a month, and all he did was play golf. He's going to go play on the premier golf course. He wanted to be able to play the game of his life on that course. Uh, he said he could have showed up and just hit the ball around, probably enjoyed it. But, boy, he wanted to be beat his body into submission to when he got there. He could really enjoy the course and have a, a day of golf that he would relish and, and just really, you know, to look back upon and say, man, I played there and I had a great game. Uh, you know, it's the same way for us in heaven. We should be beating our body, preparing it so when we're there, we're well equipped to be able to say, now here, this is the land I was made for. And then we can take off running for this new world. We're going to learn throughout eternity. I mean, we'll never know it all. Uh, only God will know it all. He's the only one who's all-knowing. And so we'll always be learning. We'll always be growing. Uh, we'll always be discovering. 
And I will always be, I even think teaching. I think sometimes there will be those ahead of others, so there will still be teaching. The Lord showed me this, and then you get to show them, and they get to show somebody else, and we've got to come back. And uh, I love to learn. I don't know about you. I like to learn. I love to learn about Him. We're going to be doing that forever. That's what makes heaven exciting for me. Uh, I, I like to teach. I, I like to think that, boy, I get to teach somebody something. I like to be taught by somebody. You know, I, like, I look forward to, don't you all look forward to listening to Paul or Peter and all that? I want to be taught you know, by them. What was it like throughout eternity? That's yeah, awesome. Amen. I think so too. It's also part of a little heaven on earth here now, isn't it? Fellowshipping with the saints all together, talking about Him. I will do it then. You know, it's not going to get less. Like, it'll be more. We're going to be together, talking about Him. The relationships that we have here and now will continue on there and then. The relationships I have with you is going to be far more than what I have with Peter and Paul because I've got time invested with you. you know, and so we're always going to have a closer relationship with Him. I'm going to have even that much more closer relationship with Elaine. She's someone I'm married, you know, that I dedicate my life with. You know, we've grown together. We're going to have always that much more throughout eternity. You think know, with the parents and my kids, you know, we're, it's, and the, we're just going to grow and increase. And then all those relationships get to deepen because we have forever uh, to pour in with one another. I look forward to going and seeing something like, man, you know, Angel would love this and go and tell Angel about it. Or, man, I can't wait to show this to Levi or Joel or Megan. And to be able to just to teach it and explore it and see how it goes. Um, I, I, we love that now. I will love it then. It's good now. It'll be good then you know, to be able to show him. Um, but Matthew 25, verse 21. It's a familiar parable. I'm just jumping to the... Chase says, And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Uh, he's going to make him ruler over something. I believe we'll be judged, and then we're probably deciding and organizing for a thousand-year occupation on this earth. I think God's a God of order. God's a God of structure. God's a God of not a God of chaos. I don't think we're going to get down here a thousand-year lane. No! <laughs> don't you hate that when you show up for church work day and you're like, I'm here ready to do something. What do you want? And there's nothing to do. And you're just all running around. It's better when it's organized. And boy, I get to do this. And I get to do that. And boy, now we all know what we're doing. I know what he's doing and he's doing. And we know where to go. And we know the hierarchy. I don't think we're going to be chaos through a thousand year reign. I think it's going to be organized. Every we come down, we're an occupying force. We're the occupying for the king. We are the kingdom. Of God, and He's the He's the King, and He's made us kings and priests, and He's made us rulers. And we're going to come down, and we're going to have our established position, and we're going to rule and reign with Him a thousand years. And it's not going to be a slipshod government where we don't know what we're doing. You know, it's going to be what He wants us to do. It's a dictatorship because Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but it's perfect because He's perfect, and we're the ones who are going to be able to do what He has us to do. But He says, "I'll make Him ruler." That says it again in verse twenty-three. Um. Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You know, so it's going to be different rewards. Do you think the other guy fell shirked because this guy got more and that only guy got a few? No, it's all going to be relative. It's going to be made to who we are. Some people are like, I'd hate to be in that kind of position. You won't have it. <laughs> He'll put you in something what you're made for, for eternity. And it'll be perfect for you. And it'll be what you want to do um, throughout eternity. And so I, I think it's going to be awesome. I, don't, I, I just know he's going to have structure. I know it's going to be there. And I know that we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years because we're up here in our glorified body. 
We're going to come down with him at the second coming. He's going to establish the thousand-year reign. We're living in a body who will not die. And yet there's going to be people who survive the tribulation that have bodies that can die. So we have mortals and immortals living together. They're going to have kids. They're going to have offsprings. And they're going to be asking us questions. What was it like to be on the earth before? And we're going to tell. We'll ask the ones in the tribulation. What was it like to live through the tribulation? Now we're going to be the Old Testament saints. And we'll be able to talk and live. And yet there's out of all those kids at the end that says it'll be like the sands of the sea where they rise up against Christ to try to overthrow him. Mm-hmm. Christian, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, but he rules and reigns on the earth. We know that the new Jerusalem doesn't come down until after the thousand-year reign because he'll also burn this world, purge it with fire. He'll transform it when he lands because when his foot touches the Mount of Olives, it splits in two. The whole topography's been changed. We're not going to recognize it from when we left because during the tribulation, we'll study this later, how there's earthquakes. It moves every island, every place, every mountain's made low. and all. It's, it's just... It won't be the same world that we live in now. Uh, so it'll all be changed. When he lands, his foot sits. It's, it's different again. Jerusalem becomes the highest point. It raises up. It's a high mountain where he sits. He's, he's on the Mount Zion then. And so um, you have that changing. It's going to be purged with fire. It's even going to be different throughout eternity. Um, I personally think that the new Jerusalem's still in heaven. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And those souls shall we ever be with him. I believe we'll work here. We'll live. Our home base will be in heaven. We'll be able to go back and forth between the two worlds. Which, well, I just think that's kind of cool. Angels do that now. Angels don't live here, but they visit here. They come back and forth. We're not going to be angels, but we're going to be like the angels. It says that. Uh, we're never going to be like him, and he can come back and forth. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ is the first, time, first and only time traveler. He stepped out of time, into time. Uh, and he comes back. He can know the beginning from the end. And so he has all that. We're going to be like him in that sense, in that we're up here. Who knows how long it's going to take to judge all the church, you know, the Bema Seed Judgment. It's probably going to be longer than seven years, but it's only going to seem uh, we'll come back down in plenty of time because we're with God. You know, what, what's time to Him? And so I, I don't think that time's going to matter in that, that sense either. But we'll come down and rule and reign with Him. I think we'll be, I think New Jerusalem will still be up there. Whether we can, I don't know, there's some, I can at least go to heaven. I don't know if we can occupy New Jerusalem till the final uh, because it's, uh, Revelation makes a big deal about it coming down and calls it the bride. I believe, we'll show from the scripture, we'll, we'll go through all this in detail later when we get through it, but uh, any saint who lives through there, I think lives through the end of the thousand years, so they could be a thousand and forty-four, a thousand and seventy-eight years old. Uh, it says um, in the Old Testament that if one dies during the, the millennial reign, they'll mourn him as losing a baby if they die at a hundred. And the reason that they die, it's usually because of their sinfulness. That's, that's, they've given the kids a hundred years of rebellion against him, and they finally... They let him die because of his rebellion. Um, those who believe, I think, live live all the way through. Uh, it says that they'll live to be as old as trees. There's trees that are a thousand years old, and there's other. Like I said, we'll look at those verses I've got. I think there's Zechariah. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they, will, they will live. Uh, and so it's kind of, you know, Eden, re- Eden lost. Is Eden restored? You know, think of how long they lived before the flood. That's restored. The king's on the earth now. Uh, the, the curse is lifted. You know, the, the animals we're not afraid of anymore. You know, the lion and the lamb lay down together. The baby can play with the snake and angel. And uh, <laughs> she still won't, but she could if she wanted. 
But the, we can do that. You know, the, the, the lion will eat straw like an ox. We'll have all, it's, it's going to be different. You know, it's not going to be what we're used to. And so the curse is lifted. It says that the, uh, the reaper will overtake the sower. I mean, the, the curse will be lifted off the ground and that you plant something, it'll grow and it'll be there to its fullest. I think that's exciting to think about. You know, <laughs> but, but plants bursting forth. Go ahead, Peggy. I, th- I think there will be demons. I think that's part of our job. I'll show during the tribulation. I want to go through when we get to that part. I mean, during the thousand-year reign, uh, when we start that study, I want to show the jobs that the Bible says that we'll have. Uh, and I think one of them is that we'll judge the an- de- judge the demons. It says, "Don't you not that you'll judge angels, which are the fallen?" Yeah, and I think the main point. I think the whole main point, and all this is pictures. Uh, the Old Testament showed uh, the age of innocence in the Garden of Eden. And there's the age of, I'm going to skip a bunch because I can't remember all. But then there's the age of law, you know, showing that we cannot keep the law. Now we're in the age of grace, and even through grace, man rebels. You know, we, we can't do that. Um, during the, the tribulation, it's going to be paradise on earth, and yet men will still sin, even with Satan locked up. And I don't think that the demons are going to last a thousand years. I think we'll get them all, we'll get them all caught up pretty early. And, but men will still sin, and men won't be, like right now, you have somebody say, well, I never believed because I was raised in the inner city, and boy, I just had a hard going. I didn't have a dad, and I didn't know my mom. That's not going to be the case in the millennial reign. And yet, uh, kids, there's going to be paradise on earth. There's not going to be poverty. There's not going to be richer. There's going to be corruption in the government. There's not going to be any of that. And yet, they'll still rebel against him. I think it's just showing that the heart and the nature of man. I think every age we've been in is showing that we are rebellious, and that he is good, and he's loved us no matter what. And it's all just a big play going on. And so... Uh, Satan's loose for a thousand, you know, he's, he's bound for a thousand years, he's loose just for a little while, and he gets them. The Battle of Gog and Magog, it's right at the end of uh, Revelation 20, 21. There. That's awesome, man. And Jesus judges and judges rightly. Uh, it even talks about when we go near his throne or approach Jerusalem, we'll be able to look and see in hell, see the soul's torment, and still they'll reject him, and still they'll, re- they'll throw him off. Yep, and then it's the same thing. Here he is, perfect world, perfect Christ. Yep, men still rebel. Nah, maybe I'll trust him later. Put him off. Lisa? Cannot say it. Yeah, I know this is still, I'm like, man, I'm going to be the one to mess it up. <laughs> it's like, but no, he says that, that was the thing we went through, First Corinthians 15. We, we cannot sin. I, I praise God. Yep. We won't even desire it anymore. You know, that's the thing. Yep, yep. And he says one of the words for the eternity is rest. Enter into the rest. When there's no more battle, there's no more, there's no more of that eternal turmoil. And praise God, we have that turmoil now because that shows that we're saved because we have a battle. If you don't battle sin, you're not saved. <laughs> Still do it, yeah. Why should we question people that, even though they see him or are there, and they still sin, mm-hmm. we do it too, even though we have him 
Yep, it's just more plain. I guess all the patterns and the things you know, we get to see it more. Um, I guess more real. Yeah, it's paradise, and they still do it. I mean, Adam and Eve did it. We just show we're all like them. Yeah, so we all say, "Why would they do it?" Then they'll they'll still be millions that'll do it. Um, just real quick before we leave, just to finish it out. So uh, we'll go through the crowns next week and the reward system and stuff. I've, a bunch of notes we'll go through. We'll look at the different crowns. Um, I won't go into the jobs until we get to the thousand year ring on that one. So I'll be keep you coming because we got a lot of other stuff to go through before we get there. But, but it does tell, it talks about jobs. Read your Bible; it's in there. Isaiah has a bunch to say about what we'll be doing throughout eternity. Some of them are weird jobs. Some of them are bizarre that it's in there. I think it's kind of cool the detail that it goes to and how different it's going to be. It's it's not uncommon for us to see a bone today. It's going to be rare in that time. There's not roadkill. You know, and so and there's a job that specifically talks about that that's kind of interesting. Uh, but then after the, um, uh, so so we're raptured, we're, we're gathering together the saints, there's the beam of seat judgment, uh, we get our crowns. Uh, let's go ahead and read this while we're thinking about it. Turn to Revelation. Just because Linda mentioned it earlier. Uh, Revelation 4. And verse 10 says, And the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him and liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne. There's where we get the casting of crowns that we're going to do that. And we'll build up to this next week. Um, for thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So we will cast our crowns. All the rewards we're given, we're giving them right back to him. Anything he's given us, we give it back to him. Uh, but he is going to... Um, I believe, you know, we, as we saw in Matthew there, that there's going to be different jobs. Some will be over more cities than other guys. And, and we're not going to be, there's not going to be that sin of pride. There's not going to be the sin of how come he gets this many and how come I don't do that. And there's not going to be that jealousy. There's not going to be that. We're going to be glad for our brother as we're supposed to be now. We're supposed to be glad for someone when they succeed. We're supposed to be happy when they're happy and sad when they're sad. We're going to live all that out fully. And then it says, and the reason I believe it's in this order, that it says, um, we'll get in Revelation 19, that when the bride has made herself ready. I think we go through all this, all this purging, all this is done when the suffering loss and the dread, uh, that why didn't I do more for my Lord? I don't think every tear is dried up yet. I don't think every tear gets dried up until right at the end of the thousand year reign, before the new heaven and new earth. That's what it told us that it does. And so we're still going to have regret. We're still going to uh, do some things. But then we, the bride has made herself ready. We're purged. Uh, everything's been dealt with. All of our motives, we, that's all done with. And then it says we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We get to have a meal with him. And I read stuff this week about guys like, but there'll be no food because we have no need for it. No, I want food. <laughs> Jesus ate many times his resurrected body showing that he could. And so then to go through and build up all the cases and say, but we won't have food. Ah, we will have food. We're having paradise restored. Uh, the, the ground's going to give increase. He talked about us eating of the tree of life. We're going to be able to eat. And so we're going to have a feast, a fellowship uh, with our Savior. And then that's all before... We come down for the second coming, and we'll come down in the armies, and we're with him, and we're organized, we know what we're doing, and we come over, and we, we set up the kingdom. Oh, I don't know about you, but I think that's all exciting. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll know when to quit eating, and we'll, we'll eat exactly what we want. And so, we'll go next week, we'll look through the different crowns. Uh, there's several different crowns that are mentioned, uh, different things you're thinking, well, what could I ever do, you know, I... I who am I to be able to earn it? There's different things it says that we can do to earn a crown. And, and, you, and then you're thinking, well, what if I desire that? Is that wrong? He tells us the rewards. He tells us he's going to bring rewards because he wants to reward us. And so he knows how we work. He knows he's made us. So he tells us the things to desire. And we should, one, desire to please him. Uh, and so hopefully that whets your appetite. And so, 
I didn't get one page of my notes. We'll get more next time. <laughs> so um, appreciate you coming. Uh,